This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field. Going back, Hernandez at the track right to the wall. Gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone. Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. How is everybody doing here on a Monday? A little A's Cast Live. We have an unbelievable show for you, as always, as we get you ready for the A's and the Seattle Mariners and everything going on in Major League Baseball. Paul Himbikides from ESPN is going to join us coming up here at 415 Aaron Goldsmith, who does Mariners TV, will be at 5 o'clock. And what time is the game today? I believe it's a 640 game. So we'll have A's total access at 540, presented by? Chevron. And then we'll get you ready for first pitch. We sure about that, 640? I thought so. It is a, yes, it is a 640 first pitch where we have a couple of left-handers, Zach Lowe going up against Marco Gonzalez. Marco Gonzalez has had a solid career. He's what, Long Beach State? Uh, No, that'd be Gonzaga. He's a Zag? He's a Zag, yep. He's a Bulldog. You sure he's not a dirt bag? 100% sure he went to Gonzaga. And now we'll be up against Zach Lowe. So that's what we have going today. You know, we told you. Because I didn't know this. I don't remember when I was listening to it. It was the uh, Angels general manager said that they crunched the data. And because a big question for the Angels has been, how are you going to work a six-man rotation? How is that going to work? And will that work? I mean, we went from four-man rotations to five-man. Now we're going to six-man rotations. And obviously, everything is to accommodate Shohei Otani. And he said, listen, it's really not crazy as you think because the average team will use 12, count them, excuse me, 13, count them, 13 different starting pitchers on average. 30 teams. The average amount of starting pitchers will be 13 in a season. And I read today in my notes, wow. Because I thought when I heard that, I went, 13, that just just sounds like a lot. Now, 13, we're not talking about it being the 
most, we're talking about the average, 30 teams, the average is 13 starting pitchers in a year. Well, we now have leaders in the clubhouse who are about to blow that away. Do you know who the leaders are in the clubhouse right now for most starting pitchers used at the, basically, we're at the 40-game poll, what, the A's is game number 42? No, we're 17 and 26, so this is game 44. So game 44, so everybody's a little bit over the 40-game mark. Correct. Who's the leader in the clubhouse? I'm going to randomly guess the White Sox. Because Johnny Cueto is pitching for them now, so I figured they might be high on the list because they've had injuries. Uh, Nope. Not the A's. Nope. Seattle. Nope. Do you know who Elvin Rodriguez is? Better known as Erod. Well, that's Eduardo Rodriguez from Detroit. But uh, no, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take this from Friday and tell you I I don't know. I'm glad you're starting (laughs) to learn. He was the player to be named later in the August 2017 trade of Justin Upton. From the Angels to the Tigers. Now Seattle Mariner, Justin Upton. So, Erod, Elvin Rodriguez. How can I forget that trade? He'll be the 11th different starter for the Detroit Tigers this year. Tied with the Rays for the most in the majors. So, wherever you got these teams at 42, 43, 44 games, 11 different starters already? We're not even into June. Is it me? I mean, to me, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. I yeah, mean, they're on pace. <laughs> they're on pace for what? Well, see, they're at 11. It's what's today's date, May 23rd. And remember, pitches, the roster reduces at the end of this month from 14 pitches to 13. God, you're looking at maybe 19, 20. Oh, if they've used 11 already, it's not even kind, June? I'm being kind to uh, Al Avila and, and A.J. Hinch there in Detroit. They've had some injuries. Now Scoobles hurt and Mize has been hurt. Eduardo we, Rodriguez is hurt. Their big free agent acquisition. If you want to bet they'll only use 19, I'll take that bet oh. right, even though we're not allowed to bet. We can bet others. Not It's not cash. It's dinners. Like, like us on the 200-inning thing. I will bet you it does not end here. I don't think so either. But I was being kind and saying 19-20 on the low end. 19? By the way, you know what's a trip? Is in our one camera here in the one angle, this jersey right here I always gotta. is actually straight, but in the camera angle, looks it, lo- it looks totally not. Let me look. Cause, uh, Kid, it is straight. We've used a level. Yes, it is. Uh, I can see what you're saying, though. You're talking about the reflection the of the one we behind love Ray. me. Yeah, we love Ray. We love you, Ray. Son, well, from our we friends love at, Ray from the last dive bar. Our friends, sponsor, friend. They're not friend of the program. They are a client. The last dive bar. The lights have taken full effect. Yes. Which also, I, thank you, Pitching Ninja, for the hat. Well, I will get because we want to give the Pitching yeah, Ninjas his due. due. Yes. Um, last dive bar. Yes, is a client of ours here on A's Cast Live. If you noticed. Uh, you know, the hits I do for NBC Sports California before and after every game, I was wearing the last dive bar shirt on Saturday, giving them the love. Uh, Brian from the last dive bar is actually sending us some 
new Last Eye Bar swag. So we'll be getting that soon. And we'll be repping our client right here. This is this is from the A's team store. We still have to rep the the organization as we speak. Yeah, the team that the team that we work for. Yes, we still have to rep them. But yes, Last Eye Bar is officially a client. What is it? Just it's lasteyebar.com? Yes. Uh yes, lasteyebar.com. Go buy their merch. Support them cuz everything they do, they give back to either the A's community fund or to groups that support the A's Community Fund. Everything they do goes back to charity. So it's not like some of it goes to charity and then stuffing stuff in their pocket. It's all going to charity. So lastibar.com. If you're an A's fan, baseball fan, and you care about helping people, help Last Dive Bar because they're helping the A's Community Fund and they're helping the people in and around our community who are also in support and help the A's Community Fund. Other groups that are a part of it. Well said, and I have the banner running, as you see it right there, telling everyone where to go, the website, how to find it. LastDiveBar.com. Check it out as I'm wearing the Ken Korak Lights Have Taken Full Effect t-shirt. 11 starting pitchers, and we're not even in June. I don't care openers or not. Where, where, like, what's the game going to do? Because you're only allowed so many roster spots, 40-man roster. I mean, are they – is baseball going to really have to just, like, blow up the system as we know it? Now, the collective bargaining agreement was just agreed upon. But at some point, are they really going to have to look around and go, guys, commish, New York, Players Union, Tony Clark – We've got to restructure how we do this. And I know we've had these rules, but the rules aren't going to work because pitchers are dropping like flies and we need pitchers. We need pitching. We need to be able to get guys who can play in the games. Yeah, guys, guys that can get, wait for it, 4,374 outs over a 162-game season. But how do we get you to be able to pitch at the big league? I mean, sometimes it's like, I gotta, I gotta call somebody up and say you gotta pitch tonight, but he's not on the forty-man roster, and you gotta get rid of a guy on the forty-man. They might have to go scratch all that, because, like I said, this is the year that people's worst nightmares come true. This is the year. There's not enough pitching. They can make whatever excuse. We've heard COVID. We've heard lockout. Whatever, the way they've trained pitchers today to not go deep in games, the way guys get hurt, I don't, I don't want to say like never before, but guys get hurt at such a rapid rate, you just don't have enough arms to pitch in Major League Baseball. And some nights you're going to need to be able to go, I don't know, grab a dude from double A. He's not on the 40-man. Well, screw it. He's not on the 40-man. Let's go. We need a guy here. We need a body. <laughs> I mean, at some point, we need bodies. And and the, uh, I was listening to uh, Buster Only's podcast, which Buster Only will be on the show tomorrow. Uh, that's Buster Only VSPN. I was listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast, and he was talking with Jeff Passan about, well, of course, the Yankees. But they were talking about how the Yankees relievers are dropping like flies. And if you have a good – the middle, you know, a middle tier to good 
farm system, you can call up a bunch of guys like the Yankees can. They can just throw in there to pitch innings. But you just can't call anybody yeah. up and put them on yeah. the roster. You also, There's you have, a process. Yeah. You have to DFA guys and trade guys and release so guys. So I'm wondering, do we need to blow up that process and just say, listen, here's the deal. And I know a lot of people won't like this, but here's the deal. If you're in the minor league system, you can be called up. I get what you're saying. Yeah, you're right. People won't like that. And baseball, for sure, won't like that because then you start the clock and guys can leave earlier and it becomes a whole thing. One of our one of our fans on YouTube here made a comment. 60-man roster with 30 pitchers. So, essentially, add 20 more spots and add I hate it. 17 more pitchers. I hate it. I really do. But, I mean, what are you going to do? Thir- 11 starters already? Yeah, it's May 23rd. <laughs> I mean, serious. No, no, I'm going to say this again. They didn't expect Tarek Schoolbull and Casey Mize and, and their big free agent acquisition to get hurt. But these things happen. You have to be prepared. And that's why Perry Manassian said they w- every team's going to use, on average, 13 starters. Now, the Yankees have only used five starters so far this year. It's been, what, Cole, Nasty Nestor, Montgomery, uh, Tyone, and I'm forgetting one. Uh, Luis Severino, who's pitching great. They, they've made all, really well. all five of those guys have made every start to share for them. So they're one of, I think I have, I'd have to look, but they're one of the teams that's used, I've only used five starters all year. That's an outlier. Yeah, but that's what I love to do, outliers. Uh, and I don't listen to outliers. I, I'll, I'll look at the norm, and the norm is – uh, you what? You wait. Talk about well, what if the A's are going with a six-man rotation? They talked about that. They could. I mean, they could. They talked about that. You got a six-man rotation, man. How you? How you gonna? Wait, you only have thirteen pitchers. You got a six-man rotation. It it. Very so once again, I don't deal in outliers. Outliers. That doesn't help you in business. If one guy is doing something, I'm not. I'm not buying it. Do we have Hembo? Hear me, gentlemen. What's up, buddy? How are you? I am doing outstanding. Enjoying my last few months of freedom, as you well know, my friend. So we're getting that close to the child. The children. Oh, that's right. Children. You're having twins. That's right. I decided that I was going to follow in your footsteps in every way. And that I guess includes my biological footprint as well. So... My wife and I are expecting identical girls in at the end of September, and so uh-huh. I have between now and then to get my, my life in order. Yeah, because the reality is people don't understand. Like, people have one child, and they think it's like, oh, my God, our lives are upside down. When you have two, or let's just call multiples because you'll start running into two, people have three. Like, you're like, one kid? One kid's easy. You know how easy having one child is compared to having two? And then the other thing is, like, you'll understand, is, like, you go from having no kids. You might you have a dog, right? We have a dog. Yeah. It's Chase. And, and, named after Chase Utley. And you think, oh, the dog's your pet. Uh, your dog's your kid. No, no, no. You go from having zero kids to two kids. It's constant feeding. It's constant diapers. Boy, the next two and a half, three years, my friend, a whole get the you better get that book done now. <laughs> you got me all choked up just thinking about this. Look, at some point in the summer, we've got to do like a full like advice column where you I just like sort of bring, I don't know, like 20 burning questions that I have about all of this. And I'm just going to rifle them off at you and you're going to provide me your valued experience. Are you on board with such a thing? Uh, most importantly, I will take everything you send me, because if anybody did it right, 
my wife did it right. She had them both sleeping through the night. They were on such a structure, feeding, diapers, just. Let's go. She was, it was, everybody else was like, it was a train wreck with twins. My wife had this thing down to a science. I just followed it. I was the, you're in trouble because I ended up being the nighttime guy. You're a, you have a morning show being on get up. I don't know how I, you're basically going to come home, not sleep. And you got to take the kids, all of the babies, all the way up to when you need to go to sleep. I've been waking up at three o'clock in the morning ever since I was working on Mike and Mike. I wonder, I wonder if my experience not sleeping much and waking up at the wee hours will help me in this case, totally. or if there's just really no preparation here. Like, I, like uh, it was described to me earlier. Like, if you're having a kid, a storm is rolling through. You can withstand the storm. You're having two at the same time. You're just enter. You're walking into a tornado willingly, <laughs> and and it is my job now to emerge unscathed. That's the analogy that was provided to me. Yeah, but you know what? Here's the thing. After about two and a half to three years, you're golden because now they play together. And that's what that's what that's where it really becomes tough for people who just have one and then they have a second one. And now you have a baby and a toddler. And when you have twins, they end up being buddies. They play together. You just got to get through the first two and a half, three years. And then it's money in the bank. <laughs> three years is quite, quite the timeline, I guess. We'll, we'll, oh, no, 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 no. Trust me. It'll be like that. Yeah, I'll sit down. I'll watch one World Series game, and then it will have arrived. That that time will have arrived. All right. um, Let's start with the A's today. You've done some research, and I'm very surprised your research has said that the A's offense isn't very good. (laughs) Um, The A's lineup uh, is not very good. I have to remember that I'm here talking on the flagship station, but there was a legendary manager. I forget who it was that said it. But it was something to the effect of my, my team could take BP in a ballroom and not break anything. <laughs> that, that's, that, that's, the, that's the yearbook uh, photo right now for the 2020 Oakland A's as far as, as I'm concerned. The numbers are obviously staggering. You guys know them as well as I do. Yeah. But, the 580, but the 586 OPS through Sunday is the worst figure at the quarter mark of any team since the 1972 Rangers. That team, in addition to having a number of players whom I've never heard of, went 54 <laughs> and 100. And if you want to think about it, like in just in terms of the collective batting line, right now the A's uh, weighted runs created plus. That's on a, you know, a, a scale in which 100 is average. That's 77. It's 23% below average. A staggering figure when you consider a team, just for example, like the 03 Red Sox, loaded, right? Like Hall of Fame hitters up and down it. They were 20% above <laughs> the league average. So your, your lineup is – like that's sort of the, the – that's sort of the disparity there. Like that's right now, at least that's how bad this team is hitting. And if I have to say, just sort of looking from the outside, the one player who I thought would really hit this year that hasn't so far is Sean Murphy. This is a guy who I just, I've had in my fantasy team the last couple of years. And he's a player that I've really gotten on board with in, in addition to Ramon Laureano. I just see like the, the slugging dec- uh, declining in every single season. I'm not seeing the same bats ball that we saw early in this career. And this is a player whom I thought coming into the season had a chance to emerge as a top 10 player at the position. Look, you're not going to fix the lineup with a single guy getting hot. But that's one player in particular that I would say I was expecting a lot more from this season. And if you think all of what you said is bad, I got to keep score for every game. <laughs> I was think, I heard it suggested that the A's, you guys should actually rename yourself Murderer's Row because teams that watch the A's this year want to inflict harm on themselves. Look, I think it will, tur- I think it will turn around. I really do. Um, because there are enough um, – 
potential. There's enough potential in that lineup with guys whom I do believe in. What you wonder though is if guys get hot and they decide to, you know, to ship them away and, and continue to buffer the minor league system. You guys are just sort of in for it. I, I sort of feel for you. This is the sort of stage in which that teams that operate, you know, in sort of your financial world have to go through. The Orioles are dealing with it as well. It's one of those things that's just tough for the fan, but you know, base to try to reconcile day after day. And look, you guys are living it. Yeah, well, uh, if I had to bet on anybody getting hot and being traded, uh, good mm-hmm. luck on that one. Uh, <laughs> you want to bring up Manny Machado. Ten hits in his last 19 ABs, hitting 526. He's leading everybody in average on base. He's tops in the National League in slugs, so his, uh, his OPS fantastic. I, I don't know how many people are paying attention. Obviously, you are. I mean, Manny Machado... Is this the year he finally gets the MVP? He might. So right now, that slash is 374, 446, 619. What I'm going to wow. do for you is read a comprehensive list of third basemen to ever lead their league in average on base and slugging in a single season, which Manny Machado is on pace to do. The entirety of that list is Miguel Cabrera in 2013, the year after his Triple Crown season in which he won back-to-back MVPs, and George Brett in 1980. That's the list. It's never happened once in the history of the National League, and he's doing it without Fernando Tatis Jr. Look, I'll be honest. This is a player I was wrong about. When the Padres signed him, I didn't think it would be a sunk cost, but I thought they were paying a premium talent, like sort of a, um, a premium dollar on a player that was not a premium talent. But he's demonstrating that he absolutely has it all in his bag right now because he plays plus defense. He hasn't turned 30 yet. 48 war, 250 homers, nearly 1,500 hits. Dude, this guy's a freaking Hall of Famer. Like, this guy's going to be – like, if he's able to just stay healthy, which he does better than anyone else in the sport, he's going to freaking get there someday. And if you look at just in totality the value he's produced since he joined that club, Fangraphs has a metric that they call dollars, which just sort of estimates what a player's would be worth on the open market given the value they produced. He's been worth about $100 million in 410 games, all right? This is an example of a mega contract paying off in a big way. We know sometimes you lose the uh, sort of the back end there. But right now, this guy is in the smack dab middle of his prime, and it would not surprise me at all if he stayed hot enough to win the MVP this year, especially when Tatis gets back in that lineup. Uh, interesting conversation going on in baseball because Juan Soto has, what, three years left? You don't have to pay him now, but if you want him long term, you're going to have to pay him. But we'll even take the deal. He's a Boris guy. Boris is going to want to get this guy to free agency to get the biggest contract that we've ever seen in baseball history. The Nationals are up for sale. We don't know what the new owners want. The new owners may say, hey, listen, trade him now. We don't want to deal with the headache. Or they might say, sign him because we don't want to lose him. Will this be one of the most interesting free agents? Not only because as a player – but all the business stuff going around him at the same time in our nation's capital? Fascinating. I I think this is a fascinating thought experiment on a couple fronts. Parenthetically, given his age, Juan Soto's 23, and given his skill set as a prodigious hitter, as literally the Ted Williams of his generation, it is my opinion that if Juan Soto were traded this summer, he would be the best player, or at least the most valuable player, most valuable asset traded since Babe Ruth in 1940. That might sound crazy, right? Frank Robinson was traded. Uh, Miguel Cabrera was traded. Any number of great players were traded. But you don't see guys this talented traded this young ever. I think you have to go back that far to find that context. And frankly, thus, there is absolutely no precedent for trading for a player as good as and as young as Juan Soto. So that's sort of one side of things. 
the other side of things is that <laughs> if I'm interested in buying a baseball team, in this case, the Washington Nationals, and I know with a high degree of certainty that Juan Soto does not want to stay, you know what I'm not doing? Buying the baseball team. Look, if I have that much money, if I got that much money, I want to watch Juan Soto wear my laundry and hit for my team for the next 15 years. That's what I want. And I'm willing to give him a half a billion dollars in order to do it. But I'm not that interested in owning the Washington Nationals if Juan Soto is not playing right field for me and is not batting you know, the, the, in the top third of my lineup. I'm just not. It, re- it reminds me a lot of the, when, um, when, when Derek Jeter was looking to be a part of the ownership group to buy the Marlins. We know, like, would you trade Giancarlo Stanton was a massive question mark on the front end of it. And I think soured in a lot of minds his uh, sort of start to his ownership tenure there. And I'm not sure he ever quite got over it, even though I think the deal has been proven to be good because they shed that salary. So on, on a multitude of fronts, this is fascinating. What do you got for me? Uh, teacher, can I speak? Please. Is Juan Soto a great player? No question. Can can I can I go from the business standpoint of it? Hit me. Yeah, hit me. Juan Soto walks down the street, no one even knows who he is. That's not Tiger Woods. <laughs> That's not Tom Brady. That's not LeBron James. That I mean, for, from a money standpoint, a guy could go out. I mean, Babe Ruth put butts in the seats. Babe Ruth saved the sport. Juan Soto doesn't put butts in the seats. Granted, he's a great offensive player, and he's probably doesn't get hurt, going to be a Hall of Famer, whatever. He will never be the face of baseball. He, I mean, he's a he's a great player who walked down the street. I mean, you want where? Oh, he could be worth five hundred million for what? You're going to sell jerseys for? I mean, how 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 am I going to get my return on investment from this from this guy? Tell, explain so, to me from a biz. Don't tell me about his. Oh, he matches Ted Williams. Don't tell me about his baseball numbers. Tell me from a business standpoint how he's worth half a billion dollars. Well, I think by using that standard of measure, which parenthetically I don't disagree with, there is no player in baseball then that would measure up because what you just described is not a Juan Soto problem. It's not a Mike Trout problem. It's not a Fernando Tatis problem. It's a baseball problem no i totally disagree because you know what baseball is now it's a it's Mm. a content provider baseball's value is the fact that we got 162 games and the amazons apple peacock nbc hulu they need content and they're willing to spend a bazillion dollars and they don't care who's playing they just need the content so whether you're mike trout you're manny machado you're juan soda you're whoever do you really matter anymore your value just like the nfl doesn't matter if tom brady's playing or not you can have you can have the cleveland browns playing whoever on thursday night football and they get ratings you're a content provider that's what baseball has to offer now. Individual guys, you are who you are. Who you are, you are who you are. Can you? Yeah. You're in the TV business, right? Right. I'm. I'm approaching this though from the perspective of a front office. You're approaching it from the position of what Scott Boris or ownership might be talking about, yeah. because that's obviously on a whole nother level. What I'm telling you is that I think Juan Soto is a generational hitter, and when you consider what others like him make, that's what he deserves. Now, I think you could also very reasonably argue that there is no player in baseball more unworthy of the talent that he has been given than Mike Trout, who no one knows who he is. And we know that for sure. Does that mean he's not worth $400 million? I suppose reasonable minds might differ. But I'm saying is, if you can't give Juan Soto half a bill, then there's just no one in baseball that can get close to it. That's all. And if we want to have that discussion, 
and sort of suppress wages because he can't provide the content and put butts in the seats the same way that Babe Ruth did or any other great player of, of yesteryear, then I'm here for it. But I think when you have to, when you consider the on-field output there, there is no question that guy's on the fast track to the Hall of Fame. I mean, I just think about your payroll, one guy. I mean, even with Trout. I mean, the fact that they've now surrounded Trout and things are getting better for the Angels. But, I mean, how many times in baseball have you broke the bank for one guy and it's really worked? Yeah, and in fairness, I think if, like in, in reality, if, if you know for sure Juan Soto's not coming back and Scott Boris tells you as much, then the smart thing to do is to shop him around to, and, and to get heaven and earth moved for him, to hit the reset button on your program and hope that it yields you a dynasty. That's obviously the right thing to do. That's probably what smart baseball tells you you should do. In the case of Soto, though, you're going to be able to buy up so many prime years that it's not obvious to me that that's going to be a sunk cost. Will it compromise the rest of your roster? Sure. There's definitely that chance. But we know that in Washington, they have been willing to approach, if not exceed, the luxury tax threshold when they do put butts in the seats. Yeah. Right now, the reason they're not putting butts in the seats is because the rest of the team around him stinks. I'm not putting that on Juan Soto. When, when, when do you do it? Like, 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 forget, forget. I mean, th- th- I mean, these. Mike Rizzo's in the last year of his deal, and this is really mm-hmm. above him. This is one family's trying to sell; they're going to sell to whether it's a family or a corporation, whatever. These decisions really are made way above everybody's pay grade. But let's say it's not. When do you sell him? Do you sell him now? Off season? I mean, you still have a couple cycles before you have to actually sell him. Yeah, the answer to that question is probably ASAP because you're not going to wow. be good. Look, you're not going to yeah. be good within the life of his of his you know pre-arb years, right? In all likelihood, and the way that he can the way that you can recoup the most value is by trading him. When he can affect the most pennant races, like that, the more days Juan Soto's in your organization, the more value I have to provide you. I think Miguel Cabrera was traded at at 24. Now prospects will break your heart. So I, I I've always been a fan. If you're going to trade Juan Soto, I need big league talent back. I need I need guys who I know for sure can play, not guys I think can play. That makes a big difference in that sense. But look, if the decision has been made, I don't see any obvious reason for him to be putzing around taking walks in front of 17,000 fans. <laughs> in that jungle, and uh, you know, it's just I don't, well, there's no obvious reason for that. I'm with you, um, but if you're gonna make that decision, I think sooner than later, because that's your opportunity to you know attract premium value. I am so curious. You have a new crush. Who is that? My new crush is Shane McClanahan. All right, the the, the lefty stud, 25 year old from the Rays. Yeah. And look, this is gonna sound ridiculous, but I'm gonna say it anyway. And duck. <laughs> I think there's a chance. I think there's a real chance that he is going to be the hardest-throwing left-handed starting pitcher of all time. Of all time. Now, look, we know that Randy Johnson could touch triple digits. We know Sandy Koufax could throw a ball through a, you know, through a door, etc. There are any number of great pitchers who we know threw hard. What we know now, based upon a high degree of certainty, is that modern pitchers throw harder than they ever did before, in part because they're not asked to throw as often. You know, Shane McClanahan's not asked to get 27 outs in a given game. But what we know for sure is that no – um, starting pitcher in the pitch tracking era throws as hard as he does. He's sitting 96-9 this year, unprecedented for a left-handed starter. And we know that the, his his sort of suite of curveball, slider, changeup plays off of it. And right now the league is batting 121, 136, 181 against it. I'm so impressed with that program. I'm so impressed with this kid. And I think pitch for pitch, he throws, he throws as hard as any lefty starter I've ever seen. You think it's sustainable? 
No. Are you kidding? This kid's, this kid's going to have to get surgery twice probably. But look, <laughs> look, this is the nature of the business. If you want to you have your, your, young, your, you know, your kids in, your one tw- in, your, in their young 20s blowing cheese, right, and, and, and maxing out through five innings, then you're going to have to deal with the consequences. I love the arm. I actually think Sh- uh, Shane Boz, who's you know, the, the righty in their system, yeah. um, who's, who's going to be coming up shortly, is even more talented. These guys just replenish better than any team in the sport. I don't think you guys. I don't think the A's are too far behind the Rays right now. And getting back up there, I think it's just going to take them a, a year or two. But right now, the the premium talent the Rays have on that roster is just ridiculous. I mean, this kid's twenty five. He's sitting ninety seven, and he's probably going to be the second best pitcher on that roster next year. What they're doing is just silly. You know, it reminds me of former A, former Ray. I guess he'd be a Devil Ray. Would be Scott Casmir. If you remember, Scott Casimir was just blowing smoke left-handed when he was with the Rays, uh-huh. and then all of a sudden, but came back, went to the Sugarland Skeeters, learned how to pitch, and became an all-star with the A's. And that's the thing that if you've got a guy that's a fireballer as a left-hander and then loses it, you got a better chance that he can still be good with his breaking stuff, off-speed stuff, moving the ball around as a left-hander than you really do as a right-handed guy who's all about fastball. He loses it. Most of the time he's done. With the lefty, he can learn to dial back and pitch and still win games for you. I agree. And the thing that impressed me about this kid is that not only is he sitting 97, is that he has a legit three-pitch – excuse me, a legit four-pitch mix. He, he, he is – at last check, he was one of three pitchers this year – that threw at least 100 change-ups, curveballs, and sliders. I mean, think about that. This kid's a 25-year-old starter, so getting his feet wet in the big leagues, and he's commanding four pitches. You just don't see it very often. So I don't know, like, what kind of sustainability this has, but I know, like, if I'm, if I'm, you know, you know, facing the Rays and like that, you know, the best of three wild card round, I want nothing to do with the kid. Nothing to do with him. All right. So uh, we saw him early this season. And, and by the way, his arm, you're just like, wow, that's, I mean, God touched this Vicious. Kid. There's <laughs> yeah. no question about that. You did not like this big debut for the Orioles. Uh, number one pick, Oregon State. What was the problem? You did? I did a whole thing on it about uh, his first game, got a base hit. Old Adley comes to town. And uh, what did you have a problem with? Well, aside from him, obviously now being immediately better than Mickey Cochran and any number of Hall of Fame catchers that have gone before him, um, my big problem with it is that the A, the, excuse me, the Orioles elected to give him number thirty-five. Now, in case you're not intimately familiar with the Baltimore Orioles uniform number assignments, Mike Mussina wore number thirty-five. Mike Mussina wore number thirty-five for the better part of ten years with the Orioles. Mike Mussina is in the Hall of Fame. Naturally, does not have his number retired, you know, with the Orioles for some inexplicable reason. And in some sense, I think you could probably argue, given the fact that they're giving number 35 to their stud catcher, and that they're conceding the opportunity to ever retire Mike Mussina's number, which is, to me, categorically outrageous. So I grew up, I I was born in Baltimore and was a fan of the team until I was about 10 years old. Mike Mussina was the first great pitcher I ever really enjoyed watching. He's the second best pitcher in the history of the franchise behind Jim Palmer. It is absurd if they're still harboring ill feelings from Mike Mussina for, for leaving to go pitch for the Yankees. Totally absurd. And I was able to actually go back and, and find that since the year 1940, there are 106 instances in which a Hall of Fame player spent at least 10 seasons with the team, as Mike Mussina did. A hundred of those players have had their number retired. Mussina is one of six that haven't. And others on that list include Jim Cott, 
who just got in the Hall of Fame that's going to get his number retired this year. Gil Hodges, whom you can say the same about. Joe Morgan, who is much more associated with the Reds than the Astros. In other words, yeah. there's just very little precedent, if, if, if none, frankly, for a team <laughs> acting in this kind of way to a Hall of Famer in their midst. It's just sort of, it's sort of bizarre. Like, I'm, I'm as excited about Adley Rutschman as everyone else. Although the, the hype sort of nauseated me to a, to a small degree. Although, look, I mean, what else do the Orioles have to root for this year? Aside from watching 400 footballs in the left field, you know, die in, uh, in a warning trap. But look, Mike Messina's number should be retired. That's what I'm saying. I'm I saying. I I'm wondering, and, and, you know, the Peter Angelos crew that was there when Musina was there. I don't know what the turnover is. I mean, we, we hardly deal with the Orioles all that much. How many of the Angelos people are still there? Because they would be they would be the only ones that would be still mad that he went to New York, right? If there's a new crop, why would they care? Yeah, but all it takes is one. All it takes is one, and they can get passed down easily enough. Look, I, I don't know if this was done intentionally or not, but it seems kind of obvious to me. There's there, there's 99 other options. Like let's 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 be sensible with our choice here. Another example from this list of mine is the Mariners. Uh, Randy Johnson used 51. So did each row. They'll retire that number someday too. So like, look, and, in other words, any Hall of Famer that made a contribution of this size has gotten their number retired flat out. So to me, there's just no obvious reason why the Orioles would elect to do this. I think it makes them look petty. I think it makes them look stupid. And I think Mike Mussina is a player worthy of recognition. And if there's any, you know, sort of ill will or, or, or hard feelings over something that happened in 2000, like I think you guys got to get over yourself. Uh, Trevor Story, a.k.a. Carl Crawford, is starting to hit now for the Bow Sox. But Xander Bogarts, what do you got on him? So I would describe Xander Bogarts as brilliantly boring, or perhaps boringly brilliant, if that's even a word. And you know what? Who, and by the way, as someone, when you cover a team every single day, you love that guy. Mm, yeah, Xander Bogarts can hit with his eyes closed. I mean, what we have now is a durable track record that say this guy is just a great hitter and there's no way around it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read for you the entire list of players to do each of these last two things over the last five seasons. Again, a durable sample size here. Hit 300, slug 500. If you can do one, you're a good hitter. If you can do both, you're a great hitter. The list is this. Mike Trout, Freddie Freeman, Xander Bogarts. That's the list, okay? Wow. So we're talking about a player. That's the list. We're talking about a player <laughs> who has a premium bat, who can fake it in the middle of the diamond, who can easily move to third base or second base and potentially play gold glove defense as soon as they decide to do that. And regardless of what Trevor Story has done in the last week, if he got 140, Bogarts is worth 280. Trevor Story is not half the ball player Xander Bogarts is. Look at what the Rangers just gave Marcus Semien, who can't – I mean, Marcus Semien, by the way, would fit great in the A's lineup this year. But look, look at what they just gave Marcus Semien, 175. Xander Bogarts is, like, play, like at-bat for at-bat, game for game. That guy's Manny Machado good. In fact, he's a little better, just a little bit better. We're talking about a long period of time in which he has been healthy on the field. He's got 85 extra base hits at the shortstop in 2019. He's a freaking great hitter. Look at the contract Mike Trout plays on, and look at the contract Freddie Freeman uh, plays on. Xander Bogarts is, for my money, worth in excess of $200 million, and you could make a cogent argument that he's worth closer to three. Now, are we talking Marcus Simeon with the A's or Blue Jays would fit good in the A's lineup, or the Marcus Simeon with the Texas Rangers right now? I mean, Marcus Simeon would be your cleanup hitter right now. Is he up to 160 yet? Where is Marcus right now? He, he, he is 
legitimately. I, I was doing the research last Horrible. week. He was the worst hitter in baseball among qualifiers. I mean, just, like, but look, this, this is my He's hitting 182. Yeah, actually, he fit right hitter. in. It sounds like an was, Oakland A already. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, he leads the league in ERA with through his batting average. So, look, look. Um, here's my thing on big contracts, not to get, not to go off on a spiel here. If I'm giving someone a nine-figure contract, I need to know one of two things. A, you're a pitcher that could go to the Hall of Fame someday. Or B, you can hit with your eyes closed. Marcus Simeon has had two, two above-average hitting seasons in his major league career, and he got $175 million. Ancillary skills don't last. Fielding doesn't matter. Running doesn't matter. Intangibles don't matter when, over the course of a long period of time in which attrition is going to happen and noisiness is going to affect the way that you can do those kinds of things. What matters is can you hit? Can you get the barrel to the baseball and can you control the strike zone? And in the case of Mar- uh, Marcus Simeon, the answer, at least by and large, if you look at his career in totality, is kind of, but it's not, you know, it's, it's most definitely not $175 million. Yes. That's what he got. That might wind up being one of the worst contracts ever. Can I ask you a, a talk shop inside ESPN question? Yeah, hit me. All right, with the Golden State Warriors about to go to the NBA Finals, does ESPN allow you guys to talk basketball since LeBron James is not in the postseason? <laughs> That's hard hitting Look, right there. Hey, listen. Listen, you're, you're coming at the wrong show because today <laughs> we, we, no, look, we snuck in the Lakers today because Jawan Howard oh. turned them down. All right. So, so you are, look, you're barking up the wrong tree here. The Lakers were in the rundown yesterday, and I'd be willing to bet that we find a way to get the Lakers in the rundown tomorrow. Don't look, oh, ye of little faith, don't you doubt the get up production crew. Uh, how many times did you mention Tom Brady today? Oh, only a dozen. Yeah. You no. Know? I so, mean, it's 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 May. What do you expect? We can't we can't do the whole show on Brady. Got to get Brady. Got to get LeBron. And really, it's not really Lakers anymore. It's just where is LeBron? And Marcus Semien. Like we're just going down the list here, making sure we hit all the hit all the stars. We said hit all the stars. All right. So here's what you need to do. You just need to make a list of questions that you have about twins, basically from the hospital to the house, getting started, how to swaddle. How to how to get him to go to bed every night? I will have the my wife was the twin whisperer. I will have everything that you need. I appreciate that very much. Before before you let me go, I don't know how much more time we have, but I did have a bone to pick with your producer, the the esteemed Cody Alonso. Oh, by the way, when you, when you said Mike Musina and retired Jersey, you're talking about a man who is very good friends with Ben McDonald. So this is you want to talk about great Oriole. The fact that you didn't bring up Big Ben, it, it offends him. Honestly, Cody, I'm offended that friend of Ben McDonald is not the eighth line in your email signature. So to, so to take everything have enough room here for just a moment, what just ca- if you don't mind. Just are we, are we, what me. camera angles are we on right now? We, so, we, we have, <laughs> you have the one with me back in it. By the way, what do you think of the set? <laughs> I don't know. I'm seeing you twice, and I'm seeing Cody once, and that's, that's bad all the way around. <laughs> what do you think of all the A's, Trotsky's, and jerseys? and? I, I think – I think it has a lot of potential. I like the desk. I think the wall has has room for improvement. I think there needs to be a Traeger ad somewhere, though, so that you can find some sponsors. <laughs> right here. There, right directly here. Behind you. Yeah. All right. Um, it'll hashtag Sunday smoke or, or something. But has Cody filled you in on this bone and a half to pick with him? Yeah. Something his about email? his signature on his email. Just quickly here. So this is a pet peeve of mine. And then I'll, and then I'll finally let you guys go and be done with listening to me rant and rave. So, in a corporate setting, like it's common to have an email signature in which you put your name, your contact information, and generally speaking, something that you do. 
In the case of Cody, Cody's email signature is seven seven lines long. Seven it includes it includes twenty two data points. <laughs> so, like, if you go to Cody Elias's uh, email, he has his name, his position, his cell, the the Oakland A's listed as if we don't know that. The, the name of the stadium, Oakland Coliseum, with the address in case someone wants to mail him something, and then hyperlinks to the web, tickets, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Cody, has there ever been an instance in the history of your emailing time with the A's that someone has examined your email and and then checked the A's LinkedIn page? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let, let, let me take a second to retort. Yeah. Now, when I first joined your organization in 2019, I copied what everyone else was doing on their email signatures. And they all had all those data points on there, so I just did the same thing. And then I never thought to myself, that is really long. And then you brought it. You're the first person that I that has ever mentioned it to me. And now I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take this off. I ended it where it just says Oakland Athletics. Although, if I'm sending you an email from the, wait for it, athletics.com, I'm sending it to you from the Oakland Athletics. So I should probably take that off as well. Chris, one more thing. I, I didn't read. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, so, like, is, if it – if anybody looks at your email, like they're really going to go, oh, I'm going to click on the Instagram page. Like, what? Uh, I don't know. People, maybe people want to see photos. Beyond that. And then why also, do you have all the World Series years on here? Everyone does. Really? Yeah, Listen. most people in the organization have that same signature. Hey, hey, hey Himbo, C Townsend at athletics.com. I got nothing. You just get, Listen, you, you get, you, you may get a sentence out of me. How, Cody? Are you taking credit for the 1911 championship? Like, are you on Connie Mack's staff? It's unbelievable. You, now, you have nine years listed. You have one, two, three, four. Yeah, you have all the years listed of your World Series championship. Like, you're get, are you, are you getting, are you, are you getting hundred thousand dollar infield shares? Like, wait, wait, wait. What year? Wait, what year were you born? 1988. <laughs> He was barely born for what he was the, the he was he was born for the eighty nine. He was born in eighty eight. Not all the rest of the World Series. He wasn't even born. This is out. This no. This thing is absolutely outrageous. So what we need to do, Cody, is 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 trim the fat to a large degree. Now, obviously, this gives me the opportunity to to apply for a job on on the A's LinkedIn page because it seems <laughs> it seems that uh, the IT group needs some assistance here. But look, I just found this to be. Utterly obnoxious. And the fact that you're claiming any credit for the 1910 World Series is just beyond me. Hey, you know what's going to be the best is when I make him put – when your book comes out, we're going to put yes. a link to your book on his <laughs> – on his. Yeah, we need a 23rd item. I'm going pretty slowly, but I, I will have some news to share hopefully at some point in the near I mean, seriously, I not... how long have we been talking about this book? <laughs> I, I started working on it in earnest two and a half years ago. I It's, it's, so. it's about it, – it's one of the – there's one thing that he and I go – if there's one one topic on this show that we go rabbit hole, it's Hall of Fame. We've been waiting for your book. Well, I think it's going to be a little while longer. I think my interrupt in September is going to have a – is going to be a big reason why that book might come out years later than expected. Well, I just want to know when we when you do do it, let me know how my good friend Eddie Collins has done over his career because, you know, I was there for all those yeah, World Series. Yeah, it's, uh, Joe McGinnity has any, uh, has any stake in the game here. So you guys are the best. Well, I mean, when you're talking Lefty Grove, I mean, we could go all day. <laughs> well, by the way, my favorite Connie Mack fact of all time, Connie Mack – and Vin Scully um, had, actually had one overlapping season in baseball in 1950. <laughs> Vin Scully, Vin Scully would, would, would wind up uh, broadcasting for the next 67 years. 
Connie Mack was born during the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> he overlapped with Vince Scully is my, for, for the first, whatever it was, like for, for this incredibly long period of time, a hundred some years or whatever it was. One of those two guys was in baseball. I mean, they, you, co- you, you grew up in Philly, right? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine in the, in the height of summer and the humidity, Connie Mack day games wearing a three-piece suit? I want to see... I want to see Kotze do that. Like, oh. I, I, we, we, the, the A's and the, and the Phillies played uh, at the very start of the season, so he missed the chance there. But I feel like that needs to be done. Like, that needs to be, you know, when, when all the teams are wearing the throwback unis, like, I want to see – I mean, it's ridiculous. I, I, I don't – so many of these managers look very unflattering in baseball pants. So, I mean, you might as well go three-piece, top hat, and do it properly because, like, I don't, it would be – I mean, not everyone can look like Joe Girardi. Like, by the end, Joe Torrey was looking raggedy, bro. Like I don't want to see him wearing this. Like he he doesn't. Like I don't I don't want to see cellulite on my manager. Um, and that's and that's what we were getting there by the end, poor guy. Hembo, you are the best, my friend. You be well. We always appreciate the time. And seriously, send me those questions. I'll get them all answered for the twins. And and let us know as we get closer, because you know you got to get a special present from your friends here on A's Cast Live. You got it. And for their 10th birthday, perhaps I'll send you a copy of my book, which will be done in eight years. And then next thing you know, you'll come on again for the second book once they graduate from school. (laughs) Which I won't be able to afford. (laughs) Take care. Peace. The great Paul Himbikides from Get Up on ESPN, top researcher, now a longtime talent. Uh, He's the best. I've missed him. Me too. I'm glad we were able to get him back. And I'll, if, if he writes that book, I'll put up my signature line for a day just for him. I, I got it up right now. I can't believe you got web, tickets, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. That is all on your email signature. He, he's like, he's right. I know, but if you look at a lot of the other people in the organization that send emails, they have it too. Okay. Are, are you, Really? David Renetti. Well, you're not going to get on that one. That's a meeting invite. Oh, yeah, that's true. I have email. All right, how about Greg from sales? I won't say his last name. All he has is his name, what he works in, number, and email. Well, I don't know why the email's in there, but because you're sending it. Wait for it from your A's email. I, that's <laughs> what he has. That's right. Where is the great – I recently got an email from Dave Cavill. Where is the great Dave Cavill? Look, okay, I'm looking at, I'm looking at someone that works in community. Look at, look at their email chain. Oakland Athletics, the email, the address for the Coliseum, the – All right, here's somebody I don't know. How to get tickets, know. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, as Hembo mentioned. Here's somebody who doesn't have anything. <laughs> All right, let's see Charlie. Let's see it. Charlie has what you're – yeah, all right. Some people do. So I mean, they've gone all – I don't know what this is. I There's only one that matters. So I'm going to look up the great Dave Cavill. That is the leader of the ship. What does – all right, new signings, an email from Dave Cavill. Dave Cavill didn't even have a signature on his email. It just says, play ball, Dave. I know. Maybe, maybe he takes it off on emails he sends to everyone. So Dave and I are the two employees for the A's. We do not have a signature <laughs> on our email. Well, that's uh, – I guess you would say you guys are in the minority then of everyone who has one. Along when I changed mine. Do you think it's weird when I send people emails that there's just – it's just an email from ctowns and at athletics.com? 
No, because if, well, maybe because if they don't, if they've never met you and you're sending emails, they're like, who, "Who's C Townsend?" Yeah, who, who? So if you put on there like what your title is or what you do, maybe they can. Oh, like here, I'll look you up in the the uh, media guide. Do you think there are people that work for us who have no clue who I am? Probably. Yeah, I'd bet on that too. Because I don't, I don't, I don't know how people work in the organization. Whoa, whoa! I know everybody because we're one big. Happy family. We got more coming up next. We're going to be heading to Seattle. Remember when Seattle was the chic pick to win it all? Eh, Not so fast, my friend. Right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. How do we decide the tunes for the show? Uh, I'm the one who picks them, actually. Because it's a whole different art form now because of... Do we call it licenses? What is it about artists like? Yeah. They um, will battle you. Yeah, something like, let's all for video, but for any more with the stuff we've been doing with AceCast, I pick all the music from a, a site that the team subscribes to. Nice. So we shouldn't have any issues with uh, any licensing or anything like that. So I pick all the music. Although we did have the B-52s, if you remember, because our old board up, Ben, went to Europe to watch the B-52s. No, he worked with them. He wor- yeah, that's right. He worked with them and got them to record liners for us. His band was the one of the opening, opening acts, acts for yeah. the B-52s. Yeah. That's pre- that was pretty awesome. All right, so if you run down the tail of the tape here, A's are 28th in runs, 29th in homers, 30th in average. By the way, there's only 30 teams. Did you know that? That there's no expansion teams yet? No, there's only 30 teams. They're 30th in average, 30th in on base, 30th in slug, 30th in OPS. And then you go down to the Mariners, who, by the way, they stink, and their run differential is minus 26. And the Mariners, they're kind of respectable. Eighth in runs, eighth in dingers. Let me see, eighth in runs, fourth in dingers, fourth in the American League. Fourth in – all that for 30th was in baseball, obviously. For American League, it's eighth in runs, fourth in the AL in dingers, Ks, eighth in average, eighth in OPS. Not bad. Middle of the pack. We don't have to ask Aaron, uh, Aaron Goldsmith from the Mariners when he comes on. Uh, what's their uh, fun differential this year? That was a big thing for Scott Service last year. I haven't seen a fun differential number yet this year. 
That was, and that's something that I've talked with Billy Bean about for years because it's like, okay, everybody gets so into certain things. What can you really just simply look at? And Billy Bean has always said run differential. And I know David Forst is big into run differential. And essentially run differential is how many runs do you score and how many do the, does the opponent score against you? You want to be in the plus, you want to score more than they do, right? And if you score less, you're probably not going to have a good year. Well, the Mariners were an anomaly last year where they had a minus 51 and won 90 games, leading to Scott Service to say. They have a great fun difference, which I believe was plus 90. Because everybody was trying to say, wait a minute, how are you guys winning 90 games? Uh doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah, and you look at them this year. Now, you know, they added Julio Rodriguez, who's been in cleanup today. So it'll be great to see the, like, uber prospect since their biggest high prospect since maybe A-Rod. He's been in cleanup for no, that. No, 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 no. Kelnick was supposed uh, to be. Are you yeah. kidding me? Well, he's in the minors Oh, right my now. God. Kelnick is not going to be with the team. They're, like, they're, they're, they're messing with his service time. And I'm against the service time thing. But Kelnick turned out to be a dud. Yeah, he's in the AAA right now. Tacoma. Remember how much time we spent on, this is wrong. Yeah. Kelnick should be here. Kelnick, but, but Kelnick, But now, Kelnick. But now Julio Rodriguez is batting cleanup tonight. Which is, I mean, it's awesome. I'm excited to watch him play. But, uh, oh, Aaron's here if we want to. We can, we can get his thoughts on the Mariners. Is he here already? He is. Oh, he's at the ballpark. What's up, guys? How are you? What do you mean? What do you, what do you mean? I'm a surprise. The game's in two hours. I, I, you know what? Tell me that guy rolling here. What? Wait. What? What? Once the, uh, once the A's go on the road, we go into home studio mode, and everything, everything for us is like, ah, you're at home. Life's great for us. I see. I understand. How are you? Doing great. How about you guys? We're doing well. We were just talking about how, like last year, the run differential and uh, Scott Service ended up talking about the fun differential, and it was amazing. How the Mariners won 90 games with a run differential of minus 51, now struggling this year, and the run differential at minus 26. Uh, what have you been seeing with the ball club? Yeah, you know, the reason why it worked last year in terms of the run differential and the Mariners still being able to win 90 games, it really was a, not a, a great formula, but it can work for a season, which it did for the Mariners, which is you win close games. The Mariners were really very good last year in one and two run games. But then oftentimes when they lost, uh, I mean, maybe once every 10 games, maybe once every two weeks, they got boat raced. So you win yeah. close ones and you lose big a handful of times a month. And that really skews the run differential, obviously. But for the Mariners this year, the bullpen has not been the rock that it was last year. No matter what was going on with the ball club last season, Scott Service knew that he had a top-tier bullpen. He had a deep bullpen. He had three to four guys that he could trust in the ninth inning in a safe situation. And because of whether it be injuries or lack of performance or both, uh, that has not been quite the same this year. And it's had a big impact on the ball club for sure. I don't know if you filled out your book yet, but uh, if you have and you start writing down all the A's numbers and you start looking at the averages <laughs> and the numbers, it, it, is it shocking to you to see just really how low and how bad everything is? Yeah, I mean, I I was hearing what you guys were saying a few minutes ago. Uh, I mean, someone has to be last, right? Like someone has to be the there's lowest scoring team. There's the only 30. <laughs> Somebody's got to be first. Somebody's got to be last. 
Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's ugly, man. Like it's really ugly right now for the A's. It's I don't know. Maybe it's not a surprise given how much turnover there was and how much talent is now gone. But it's a it's a bad looking lineup, man. I don't have to tell you guys. It's, I mean, the Mar- the Mariners have struggled offensively this month in particular, but. Even the most cynical Mariners fan, I, I would hope, would be able to say, hey, there are three to four guys on a nightly basis that are performing. And then you have a handful of other guys that you're hoping that a track record starts to kick in very soon um, because it's not really that early anymore. But for the A's, you don't really have that to lean on for sure. You know, I'm thinking about the Mariners, and obviously it's like, and, and I was talking to Mark Langston about this last week, how Angels haven't seen you guys, we haven't seen you guys, so it's been a long time. It's kind of weird that in the same division we've played a ton in the East, ton in the Central, and haven't played the Mariners because it seemed like every single time we go to Japan we have you guys. We open every series in Oakland with yeah. you guys. It seemed like that for years, so to not see it for a while has been weird. And just preparing for this, knowing that, Seattle's lost 7-10, a very tough road trip. You're going to have a quick homestand here, A's, Astros, and then back out on the road for a long road trip, a nine-game trip back on the East Coast. You know, it's still early, but, boy, this seems like this is a really important stretch for the rest of the season, if you're going to be in it or not, based off what just happened to you on the road. First of all, this is not an excuse for the way the Mariners have played, but I do think it's interesting. The Mariners will not play a road game in their time zone until mid-June. Wow. Think about that for a second. They will go to – actually, it's later than mid-June. It's at your place June 21st will be the first time they play a road game in their time zone it's been a a brutal road schedule for the mariners we knew that this month in particular was going to be probably the toughest stretch for the ball club all season long at least how it looks on paper right now but it's been one east coast swing after another and the trip that they were coming off of i mean for perspective think about this way you have three at city field against the hot mess team you then go north to toronto against what has been an underperforming lineup obviously for the blue jays but we know that's that is a good team and a team that's built to make the playoffs and then you have four at Fenway Park. And even though the Red Sox were uh, underperforming when the Mariners hit the road and went to New York, they've obviously gotten hot. Maybe the Mariners are certainly a part of that. But the Mariners, they take two out of three at City Field against the Mets. They beat Max Scherzer, by the way. Then you lose two out of three in Toronto. So you go to Fenway Park and you're three up and you're three down. And if you can go, if any team can go 500 on that three-city East Coast swing, I mean, you're, you're excited getting on that plane flying back home. And then the Mariners get swept at Fenway Park in really kind of gut-wrenching fashion. So I would say that even though the Mariners lost the series in Toronto, they went into Boston still with their chins up saying that, hey, there is there is a path in front of us to get back home 500 on this road trip. And for a variety of reasons, that did not happen clearly. And to get walked off in the 10th on a grand slam yesterday, it's kind of like if that happened in game two or even in game three, man, it doesn't feel as bad that in the final game of the series and then get swept and then have to get on a bird and fly six hours back home and then play, strap it up and play the next day against the A's. It's, it's been a tough grind. All right, Julio Rodriguez. I, I see a slash line last 29 games hitting 321, uh, 368 on base, slug 368. Pretty fantastic. Got his average up to 268. Give, a, give us a scouting report. Because we haven't seen him yet, and supposedly he is the next all-world guy. 
Yeah, I think it's we're getting to that point right now where we're having to remind ourselves that he's only 21 because he's doing some remarkable things. It was a struggle the first month for Julio, like it would be for any 21-year-old. I mean, he's, he barely has played above high A in the minors. But when you see what he's doing right now, he is the game's slowing down for him. The strikeouts are coming down. He has massive power. But even in the minor leagues, he hit the ball on the ground a lot. He The power is going to be the last thing to come, but he hits the ball hard. He will eventually learn how to hit the ball more consistently in the air. But I'll tell you this much. He's built, I mean, he's 6'4", 235 probably, yoked. Uh, and the dude can fly, man. Like, if if Elvis Andrews, the book is out on Julio, I'm guessing, at this point. But if, if Julio hits a lazy two-hopper to Elvis and Elvis just kind of gathers and takes his time before he throws over to first base, like, Julio's going to beat it out. He has plenty of infield singles this year. If you look at the sprint speed metric on Savant, Julio is certainly within the top ten. And at times this year, he's been in the top five. The guy is doesn't look like he can run well. He can fly. I was talking to one of our analysts in the front office, and he was kind of putting himself down, the analyst that is. He said, I can't believe coming into this spring, we did not realize how fast Julio is because he's only gotten bigger over the last two years. He's continued to fill out, and yet he hasn't lost twitch. He's gotten maybe twitchier and certainly faster. And I think he had a little ax to grind coming into spring this year. Like he wanted to prove to people that he could play center field. And I think he had that mentality all winter. And he's played a really good center field. He has a very strong arm. He gets good jumps. He can fly, hits the ball incredibly hard. He's got the whole thing, man. He's got the personality. He's got the face. He's got the tools. I mean, he's a billboard franchise guy. And, I, you know, I, I heard you guys talking about Kelnick earlier. And, obviously, the, the plan for the Mariners this year was Kelnick and right, Julio in center, Mitch Hanniger in there as well. Hanniger's on the IL, unfortunately. But it was these two young outfielders, two building blocks from the ball club, that this was going to be the year we saw it start to really move forward. And Kelnick, as you referenced, has been optioned down second time in his career, first time this season. I'll say this about both those guys. Who knows where their careers will go, right? It's been a great run for Julio right now. Hopefully that continues. Kelnick has been a struggle. Hopefully he bounces back and becomes the player that he can be. Julio's 21. Kelnick is 22. He'll turn 23 this summer. Adley Rutschman is 24. I think that hopefully helps to put some things in perspective. We know Rushman just debuted, top prospect in baseball. Like, he just got his toes wet in the big leagues, like, yesterday. And Julio is three years younger. Kelnick is a year and a half younger. Um, you know, for some guys, it takes time. And the Mariners feel very confident in Kelnick that that will come around. But they also realize he needs to reset. It was a real struggle. Bad at bats. He'll be the first to admit it. And him not being here and performing like we saw in that series against you guys at the end of last year, that's been one of the reasons why the Mariners are in the place where they are, because they just they needed more from Kelnick, and he's got to go back and figure some things out. Hey, and you know what? You're going to see that tonight with the athletics with Christian Pache, who came over from the Braves. He started yeah. out a little bit hot. Next thing you know, everybody's talking about Willie Mays, and I'm like, whoa, let's see it. <laughs> let's see it first. And for the month of May, he's hitting, I think he's hitting .093. It's like, yeah, prospects are great and guys who are terrific athletes and everything but in the end we're a production business and at this level you got to produce and 
no matter what the prospect label is, once you get here, we only care whether you do good things. So we hope that all these young players, and I say it all the time, I want Pache to succeed. He's supposedly our future. But what do we do with him? We have been hesitant to put him down in AAA, which, which you guys have done with Kalanick. And at some point I'm like, how many offers, how many strikeouts, how many easy outs? You know, when you start to see a guy not – not compete at this level, you tell me, doesn't it get a little bit scary when you start seeing that night in and night out? Absolutely. And I mean, we've, we've seen the Mariners have a couple of young hitters that have just looked overwhelmed, overmatched, right? We saw that from Kelnick, uh, Cal Raleigh, who is starting tonight behind home plate for the Mariners. He was in that boat. They optioned him down. Unfortunately for Cal, who the Mariners clearly thought needed some more time in AAA to get right again. Tom Murphy suffered a really serious shoulder injury and just days after Cal got optioned down and then they had to bring Cal Raleigh back up. So I think if the Mariners had it their way, Cal Raleigh would be in Tacoma right now. And Tom Murphy would certainly be one of the starting catchers for the Mariners. They don't have that luxury, unfortunately. So Cal's kind of having to figure things out on the fly here at the big league level. But yeah, we, I think we all have watched enough baseball. You can tell when a, when a dude is just overmatched. That's going to happen. It's going to do a lot of young players, especially in the pitching environment that we see today. It's incredibly difficult, man. I don't know how they do it. And this is a really hard time for a young hitter to find success and which i think makes guys like what julio rodriguez and what jeremy pena for the astros are doing so impressive you know one guy i wanted to ask you about is you forget about the 2020 rookie of the year and kyle lewis and he's had the knee problems i want to say he hurt his knee in a game against the a's where are we with him? I believe he's come off the IL. How does he fit into the pitcher? Because obviously a very dynamic, still young player. Yes, absolutely right on, on, on all those things. There's a chance we see him tomorrow. Uh, he's been rehabbing with Tacoma. He played in three straight gay, days uh, leading into today. So Scott Service said he's glass half full. He believes that Kyle Lewis will be in Seattle tomorrow and will be available. He's really, to my knowledge, only DH'd uh, during his rehab stint with the Rainiers. And the Mariners have not, I haven't looked at the numbers recently, but the Mariners have not gotten much production out of their designated hitter position this season. Uh, I don't. I think it would be unfair to expect Kyle Lewis to come back from another knee injury being out of Major League Baseball for basically a year and come back and just rake right away. I mean, maybe you can. We've seen how much of an impact he can make. He's a special talent. He was a Golden Spikes Award winner. He was a first-round draft pick. The, the dude the dude can play, but it's been a while, right? It's been a while for him to be in a big league batter's box, but I think there's a, a very good chance, based on what Scott said today, that we see him tomorrow here against the A's. So you've seen the division – Forget about us. Oh, actually, you haven't seen the Angels yet. No. But so far, right. uh, what, what do you think of the Astros? And, my God, Verlander looks like he's 26 again. But uh, what do you think of them so far? And actually throwing the Rangers, too. I – two things. One, I, I knew that the Angels it, – it's funny. It's funny how, like, some of us – I'm not including any of the present company, but maybe, maybe me. I don't know. It's, it's funny how some of us write off the Angels uh, in spring training when they have two of the top five players in baseball. <laughs> but we've just seen it too many years in a row, right, where it has not worked for the Angels primarily because of their pitching. But you had to know that if Rendon was Rendon and they got pitching, how dangerous they could be, and we're seeing that from the Angels. 
And for the Astros, I'm I continue to be kind of overwhelmed by the fact that it, this might not be true, but it feels this way. How like every young player that comes up for the Astros is good and yeah. is good <laughs> basically immediately, right? I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a pitcher, a starter, a reliever. Uh, we mentioned Jeremy Payne's name already, a position player. I mean, like Kyle Tucker wasn't great. He wasn't like amazing when he first debuted, but he, he held his own. He didn't look like he was overmatched. And now he's really, really good. Pena is really good right out of the gates. I just, I just find that remarkable. And for the Mariners, a lot of their plans were kind of based around this idea of the Mariners beginning to crest as the Astros were beginning to descend a little bit. And by no means am I suggesting that the Mariners thought that the Astros would just fade away into a last place cellar dweller. They would never underestimate a team with that track record like that. But I would be curious to ask with some truth serum if if this is what they thought the Astros still would be, right, at this stage in the game with the Verlander at his vintage still doing what he's doing with their young players producing like they're producing. Because at least at this point, as we approach Memorial Day, the Astros are still looking like one of the absolute premier powers in the American League, which, man, it's remarkable that run that they've had. You know, Robbie Ray signed a big deal with you guys, and obviously you were thinking that he comes in ace, ace for many years. What is it? It's five years, 116 mil. What have you thought so far? I think there's been some frustration for Robbie. He's been he's been bit by one big inning, it seems like most starts, especially recently. There was a lot of discussion about his velocity or lack thereof early in the season. What we've discovered is that Robbie likes it a little warmer. Uh, and it isn't too warm in our neck of the woods early on this year. As you know, Robbie... <laughs> Uh, Robbie wears the scuba suit to pitch, right? Like it's, it is skin tight yeah. and he's always worked in short sleeves. Well, uh, a few starts ago at home, we saw him working in long sleeves for the first time. In fact, he even threw a bullpen session on long sleeves just so he can figure out what that feels like because he'd never done it before. Uh, the velocity started to tick back up again. Like we're seeing more of the Robbie Ray in terms of the stuff, right? Like the swing and miss stuff. Two starts ago, he had a career-high 27 swings and misses, which is pretty impressive to get a career-high when you're not at your best, given what he did last year in terms of the strikeout department, leading baseball in that category. So we're seeing that begin to manifest, which is good. Uh, but for him, it's been the big inning that's, that's kind of sunk him in a couple of starts. And unfortunately, the Mariners' lineup has scuffled to a degree in this month in particular that if the opposing team hangs five runs, it can be really hard for the Mariners to score six. I mean, it's hard for any big league team to score six runs, especially this year in a single night, but it has been especially so for the Mariners at times this season. Six runs, what is that? <laughs> what is that term <laughs> you, you speak of? <laughs> That's a three-run series for some teams. <laughs> three-game seri three series, I should say. Hey, you know what's funny about warm weather? We're about, we're not too far away where the teams from the Midwest and the East love coming to Oakland, love coming to Seattle, love getting out of the heat, and can't wait to come to the West Coast for a, for a West Coast swing. Oh, absolutely. And every time the Rangers, when they had their old ballpark, every time they rolled in here, and I'm sure at your place as well, it was like, I mean, they could actually breathe a little bit. They don't have air conditioning in the dugouts like they do at home. Oh, yeah. Everybody's like, oh, we go. 
you know, because they stay in San Francisco. So it's like, oh, you're staying in Seattle, you're staying in San Francisco, the weather, the food. People couldn't wait to come out west. Sometimes when it's a little cold, we forget about that, how uh, how good we have it because we're not dealing with it. Hey, always great to talk to you. It's good to see you. It's been a while. I agree. It's great talking with you guys. Hopefully we get a great series. Well, we'll talk soon because now we're going to be hooking up a lot for the rest of the season. You take care and have a great call. All right, you got it, guys. Great talking with you. Awesome to have him on the program once again. Yeah, our first time seeing the seeing the uh, Mariners. I'm so used to, like, Mariners every game. I mean, there was a stretch, I swear to God. We saw them. It felt like felt like we played the Mariners 40-something times a game. I mean, 40-something times a year. Not a game. 40-something times a year. And Felix Hernandez pitched every game. Every game. <laughs> Go to Japan, Felix Hernandez. Come back, opening day, Felix Hernandez. It's spring training, it's Felix Hernandez. It was like it was like playing, it would be like the Harlem Globetrotters and the Washington Generals, how you play them every game. It was like that's how it felt. It felt like we played the same team, and it was always Felix Hernandez on them. I would, I don't know this for a fact, but if I had to bet right now, right now, the team Felix Hernandez faced the most in his career. I would bet it's the Oakland A's. Uh, okay. Well, now you got me wanting to look. I'm saying forget top three. I'm saying we're number one. There's no way he pitched against anybody. And by the and so, a, a, one of my best friends, Mark Podesta, people out there may know. I played baseball with him at San Jose State. He uh, used to run Frontier Ford. You know, got a dealership down in uh, Southern California. He Nick, he uh, he li- he lives next to uh, Weaver, Jared Weaver, and I'm like, and his wife was was like, oh yeah, um, did you ever see Weaver pitch? Oh yeah, I saw a lot. Of, I saw a lot of his career. Weaver might p- pitch against the A's more than anybody also. Oh well, he mentioned Frontier Ford, so I have to use play the obligatory. Oh, oh never mind, I don't have it. The, the, thank thank you, you, Billy Bean. Yes, Billy Bean and I both did commercials for Mark, all right, Frontier I'm, Ford commercials. All right, looking up the splits for, thank you, Billy Bean. for Felix Hernandez right now. I'm going to give you two numbers while I do that. The number 20, what does that mean? That has something to do with the ace. Uh, it means 20. Yeah. Number 20, what does that have to do with the ace? I I'm not talking about Christian Pache. I have no idea. That's how that 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 that's many runs the A's have scored in the last eight games. Is, is that what the number Christian Pache is? Yes. Number 20? Yes, but it has nothing to do with him. That's I got to tell you, as I get older, I do not care about numbers at all. I like – I don't care if you're 10, 5, 30. It doesn't matter to me. That's the number of runs the A's have scored in their last eight games. What is that? 20 and what? 20 runs in their last eight games. That, that comes out to a 2-6 and six record. Okay. Well, you know what? I, I found this out earlier. I don't even know what website this is. Uh, the answer to your question is actually not the A's. It's uh, the it's the Texas Rangers, the Los Angeles Angels, and then the Oakland Athletics. Wow. I wouldn't have bet that. I, mean, I knew we had to be top three. Uh, wh- what's his ERA against the A's? Zero. No, it's a little higher than that. Uh, I would say he's like a two-something. 288 career right. ER against the A's. What is he against the Rangers? Uh, he's 19 and 25 with a 420 ER. Because he pitched against some good Rangers offenses. Um, he has five complete games against the Angels. He's 17 and 18 and a 360. 26. Oh my. God. 26 and 15 with a 288 ERA versus the A's. Check Jared Weaver. Is he pitched most against the A's? Uh, pull that one up. One more number for you. The number is 12. All right. What is it? I'll play your game. What is number 12? 
that's that's the number of straight victories the A's, the Mariners have had against the A's. Thanks. Yep. I'm just I'm breaking down the series. Have fun with Cody is this segment. So I'm on TeamRankings.com. Is this work for it works for all sports? Because I was I was trying to figure out in my notes what the hell. MLB runs per game trailers. I still don't know what that means. I'd have to look it up. I've heard that term, but I don't know what it means. So I just I looked it up, and it, it led me to this. And it says ML, MLB, team, MLB team runs per game. Where do the A's rank in runs per game? I don't know if you know this. It's a metric. If you score more runs than the other team, you win. The team you're playing that day if you score more runs than they do, you win. I've heard that before. Uh, I think it's a the, special metric. Um, it's happened to ever. This metric is the oldest metric in the book. Well, we went through the numbers on the A's batting average, slugging, o- o- on base. Yes, percentage. they're 30th in everything. Uh, I would say they're 29th in run score. I know Detroit's really bad offensively. It is hard to believe Detroit is worse than the A's. <laughs> But Detroit is, they're averaging 2.75 runs per game. The A's are 3.26. Now, what is the difference? Last year, the A's won 86 games, fell short of the postseason. Last year, the A's averaged 4.59. Yeah, that's pretty good. This year, 3.26. I think this year they're allowing around four runs per game. So that shows you how good the pitching has been for the A's. I didn't even check. As much as I was crapping on the uh, – uh, By the way, Jared Weaver, second most starts ever in his career against the A's. The Rangers are also number one for him. 38 career starts versus the A's. He is 14-11 with a 2.85 ERA versus Oakland. He really had a good career. Yeah, he was a really – he was a really good pitcher. Yeah, he had a, he had a very good career. Um, wow. It's hard to believe there's teams that their run differential – how bad – okay, just to give you an idea of how bad the A's offense has been, we got to salute the A's pitching because the A's pitching this year – Has been really good. It, I mean, for the most part, do you have the overall numbers in the playbook for pitching or you just have just hitting? I just have, I have to start hitting and I have the bullpen. I usually break down the starting pitcher each day. Okay, so we, we got to add the overall pitching. The pitching, the bullpen – uh, 3.45 ERA, that's seventh best in the American League. Uh, Ten home runs allowed, the bullpen, tied for the second fewest in the AL. They're 11 for 16 in saves, fourth in the AL. Think about that in saves with the record they have. I mean, they've the bullpen's done a good job. For the most part, the starters have done a, done a good job. So the A's run differential right now is at minus 31. So we could basically tell you, if, I mean, you're not going to say Frankie's had a bad year. I mean, the only guy that started to struggle was Dalton Jeffries. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the guy going tonight, Zach Logue, I love this kid. Te- teams can't hit his changeup. The change future up. Tom Glavin, you heard it here. Can't hit his changeup or his curveball. You heard it here. Do you have that in the notes? Uh, yes. Um, You know, Cap. Now, no one's, you know, Cap's not going deep, but obviously he was coming off the IL. But whether you're talking Cap, Cole Irvin, Logue, Frankie, who am I missing? Uh, Frankie, I mean, Adrian Martinez was good in his one start that he had. Yeah, there's somebody. I'm Cole missing. Irvin. 
Blackburn. Blackburn. For God's yeah. Sakes. Oh yeah, Mister Mystery Mister. How do I forget Black Blackburn the can best. be an all star for God's yeah. sakes? So if you're going Frankie, right now, how do you not like the rotation? Frankie, Blackburn, Cap, uh, Cole Irvin, and Zach Lowe. I'll take that five. I really. You know how many teams in baseball would take that five? It's pretty solid, and it's been good. I mean, I that's tried... not the pitch. He's not the. You know what the problem is? Two sixty one, two fifty, two forty nine, two hundred one, two thirteen, two twenty two, two fifteen, two ten, and one fifty four. By the way, interesting. That's 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 way better than what it has been the A's lineup. Because if you actually went with some of the different guys that have been going, there's been a lot of guys in the ones. Yeah, well, we're not breaking for the show, are we? Well, yeah, we have some spots to play, and we have to five forty. Show's pre- over. Five forty pregame, man. We need to talk about doing this show longer. I'm just warming up. Well, you have another. You have another hour for a total access. Yeah, but that's not a talk show. That's just me kicking it around pregame. This is this is my this is my life's work right here. It's what it matters. We also got to get into the. Uh, you asked me about it the other day, or mentioned to me the teammates. Have we ever seen teammates like Otani and Trout? We need to do that tomorrow. Why well, did I, I? I texted you, but I, I brought that up in the A's clubhouse. It, has there ever been? And I want you to really think about this. We'll do this tomorrow. We're back on at four, right? Correct. We'll do this tomorrow. It's not necessarily about the numbers. It's got to be about how dynamic they are. Right, because I could give you the two Willies right out of the gate, Willie Mays and Willie McCovey, two of the greatest teammates of all time. For God's sakes, they're Hall of Famers. First ballot Hall. Willie McCovey had to have been a first ballot Hall of Famer, right? You would think Sometimes so. Sometimes you don't know. Joe uh, Joe DiMaggio wasn't a first ballot. There's some guys for some reason he had to have been. Five hundred uh, home let's runs. Let's see, Willie McCovey. Yeah. He was on 346 at 425 ballots. Who didn't vote for him? I don't know. Like, what, 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 but, whatever. We did but, this But were they must-see? Well, television was still kind of in its infancy back then. But, yeah, but what did – I mean, they didn't even draw fans at Candlestick Park. I mean – Fact. Were these – so it's not just about pure numbers. Dynamic duos. Did you get that? Yes, dynamic duos. Do you remember who the dynamic duo – I don't remember. Batman, the Di- Batman oh, and Robin. Batman, you're talking about Adam West and Burt Burt Young. Is that who played Robin? Burt Ward. Burt Ward, the great Burt Ward. <laughs> wow. With pow and bang and zoom. And yeah, all that. that was when I was a kid. <laughs> the real Batman show was the best. Burgess Meredith playing the Joker. Oh, uh, Caesar Romero was, was the, the Joker. Oh, the, yeah, the who played um, the. Uh, Frank Gorshin was the Riddler. Okay, They're yeah. all comedians. Yeah. Uh, Burgess Meredith was, was the, the Penguin. Pe- the penguin yeah. Oh, the good old days. I'm going to end on that. We're back tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Stick around in a few minutes. A's Total Access brought to you by Chevron. We want to thank the great Paul Himikides from ESPN. I was, I was going to promote who we have tomorrow. And Aaron Goldsmith from Mariners Television. TV play-by-play. We're going to have Buster only tomorrow. Oh, the great Buster only. Uh, we'll see how many how many questions we go without asking about the Yankees. You and, know what? Uh, We're going to do that. We're not asking you one about the Yankees. And, uh, Dan O'Dowd from MLB Network, your guy that you, uh, you asked Dan for, O'Dowd. I delivered. I love Dan O'Dowd. I mean, I'm going to have to gush and just be – you're my favorite. I mean, I know – Do you think he'll bl- – do you think he remembers us from San Diego? Is he going to be on video? Uh, I think it's just going to be a phone with Dan. Uh.
I mean, I could try, but it's going to be 930 in the morning, so I don't think so. Oof. Getting up early. All righty, everybody. We'll see you back tomorrow right here on A's Cast Live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.